Some men do say King Arthur is not dead, but by the will of our Lord Jesus sleeps, yet to awake, deathless and reassure us. And therefore is it that grave where he is laid, this legend hath that still his kingdom keeps. Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosier. And this is Still His Kingdom Keeps, a creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I cover every single episode of the TV show Merlin, where wizards fall in love with every single person they meet and magic is banned across the land. Chris, wow. how are you today? <laughs> I'm great. That was a great intro. How are you doing? I'm, I'm channeling my inner DJ, like my radio DJ. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Let me, disc jockey. Let, let, me, uh, let me drop some fart sounds in this. Can we, are we going to get the top 40 hits or what? Yeah, absolutely. My hero is Casey Kasem. Can you tell? I'm trying to, imp- I'm trying to impersonate Excellent. him. Excellent. This is, yes, this is uh, the Casey Kasem Merlin podcast now. Um, and just like yeah, any time well, I do an impersonation, my voice is probably getting kind of weirdly British for no reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way to go. It's the only way to go. Uh, my voice always goes Southern. So there, there, there we go. Okay. Um, yeah, episode four of Berlin. Here we are. Yeah, so this is the first episode we've recorded since we launched the podcast. Uh, so oh, I, yeah. I want to take a, a moment and thank um, everybody who came out to the YouTube premiere of the video. Everyone that, because um, a bunch of people have watched that thing now, Chris. It's got more It's got more views than Torn does. Not hurt. Dang. I'm not hurt at all. Um, <laughs> but thank you to everybody for coming out and sharing the episode and following us on Twitter and all that stuff. It, it, it means a lot to us. Uh, we knew it would be kind of a shift to go from uh, something as huge as Supernatural to something as not as huge as Merlin. And a bunch of people are coming over with us. Uh, People are planning watch parties in the Discord. So if you want to jump on the Patreon over patreon.com slash monster of the week and join the Discord and watch Merlin along with us, I'm going to try to join some of those. Uh, the timing is always just a little awkward for me. Like that that time in the afternoon, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to sit here on the couch. <laughs> so, um, but I'm going to try to join some of those. Uh, Chris will probably try to join some of those as well. We're going to try to you know make it there every once in a while. But please check all that stuff out. And thank you again for uh, downloading and listening to the show. Chris, yeah. do you want to remind us what's been happening in Merlin? Well, there's been a lot, Jeremy. Last time 
on Merlin through magic incantations, shield snakes, geodudes, and evanescence, the young wizard Merlin continues his reluctant quest to protect the young Prince Arthur, who also just so happens to be Merlin's least favorite person in the world. And though our hero has come out on top of all of his trials thus far, the worst is yet to come as the sorcerer Nimue sets her sights on Merlin. I love it. And uh, today we are going to be covering season one, episode four of Merlin, The Poisoned Chalice. This was written by Ben Vanstone and directed by Ed Freeman, and it was broadcast on October 11th, 2008. If you've heard my previous broadcast dates and it said 2009 and you're like, Jeremy, none of this makes any sense. Uh, these were broadcast on separate dates in England and in the and in the U.S., and oh. depending on where I pull that from, it changes. So I am now going to try to pull this from the same place so that I can get gotcha. all of this stuff correct. Um, do you know what channel it was on in the U.S.? Was it on Sci-Fi? That's a good question, man. I do not know. I do not. I know can't imagine that. it airing anywhere else, frankly. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Um, I'm just kind of. I'm just going to do a quick Google because I'm really curious now. Because this was certainly before the time of of streaming. Oh my god, you know? it was on NBC. So. NBC picked up Merlin. What yeah. was this, the six o'clock slot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could tell I'm on the um, on the UK version of, of Wikipedia because it's supposed to program all dumb. Um, sorry, UK people, it's just a real dumb way to do it. Uh, I don't actually want to look through all of this, but yeah, it was it was on NBC and then got moved to uh, um, Sci-Fi after viewership kind of went down some. Because they didn't, they didn't know because they did, better. They didn't know about the budget in season four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'd be really. It doesn't say like when it was on on NBC. I'd be curious if this. Was, they, they were like, yes, this is seven p.m. prime time. Maybe maybe it was a Saturday morning kind of vibe. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I don't. I really don't know. Uh, Someone, hey, if you know, if you watched this live back. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15, 35 years ago, uh, let us know. Yeah. Shout outs to the person in our discord. I don't want to, I don't want to dox them on, on or anything, uh, but they apparently worked uh, back somewhere on the show. Uh, so oh, yeah. I'm going to try to convince them to come uh, talk to us about it at some point, but we'll see. What Jeremy, have we, have we ever done a podcast before? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, the Poison Chalice. Poison, excuse me, posing as a servant girl. I almost said poison, Chris. That's how... <laughs> <laughs> how into the Elden Ring I am we'll right now. We'll get it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. Um, posing as a servant girl, the sorceress Nimue enters Camelot, seeking revenge on Merlin with a plot to poison him. Meanwhile, Bayard and the Knights of Mercia are welcome to Camelot to celebrate the union between the two kingdoms. Unaware of Nimue's true identity, Merlin saves Arthur from drinking from a poison chalice by drinking the potion himself, which puts him in a deep coma. Gaius discovers the origin of the poison and needs to make an antidote to save Merlin. Arthur disobeys Uther's command okay, and sets up I was gonna say, you keep going. To if you keep going Merlin, with this, we don't need to do a podcast. He ventures into the, deep into the forest of Belor to find an antidote, but little does he know he's walking into a trap. Uh, this has been still his kingdom keeps. Come follow us on that Twitter. Was Thirty-five at minutes of of the episode. <laughs> I thought that the they, first paragraph of like the summary would be a, a good thing to cut and paste, but apparently not. That was too long, Chris. They just tell you the whole episode. They don't even care. Am I? Let's get this out of the way. Am I? Even though they say it multiple times in the episode, am I mm. saying Nimue correctly? That's. I think that's about as close as we're going to get. I okay. called her Nematode from now on. Okay. Uh, no, I didn't actually do that. But my, um, you know, we we did enough episodes about supernatural that my phone could eventually autocorrect enough while yeah. I was taking mm-hmm. notes. It's real chaotic here. Oh it's, yeah, it spells <laughs> Nimue different every single time. Um, she goes by the name Kara in this episode. Maybe we could just throw that one around. Okay. But, okay. Um, Either way, we start this episode off. We see Nimue in her little 
cave sorceress hidey hole wherever she hangs out uh and she's she's conjuring some spells she's doing something and she's looking into her scrying pool yeah at merlin. she's got her sights set on merlin and that's our quick intro chris I, then... have a, I have a question for you though real quick mm-hmm. so we see her like s- speaking spells into this chalice right mm. like we see her we see her saying words into the chalice to make mm-hmm. it poison right what do you think she's saying like if we translate it to english because i think she's saying like just put some fucking poison in here motherfucker give it yeah, to her. just what's your worst fucking po- give it fucking stupid, dog's breath boy. fucking poison you son of a bitch like i think she i think it is the nastiest curse she could think of like asshole <laughs> Exactly. You suck. You dirty bottom scoundrel. You're, you're poor. <laughs> Damn, they want Jesus. Didn't know you were classist. Jesus Christ, get yeah, out of here, wow, man. I'm classist, huh? Uh, I'm a, a murderess and a classist. Gotta be both. Gotta be both nowadays. Gotta be both. Gotta be both. Um, um, God, she's just into that side hustle culture. You know what I'm saying? Oh, mm-hmm. she always be hustling. You know, Nemo way be selling that MLM, dude. You know she is. She's got yeah. She's she's, so, she's selling MLM, and she has uh, she has an Etsy shop where she sells um, little tiny <laughs> scrying pools, right? Like what did we, <laughs> what did we call? Um, not hex pegs. Damn it! What was the thing that we called? Do we do, do we have uh, a joke that I've, I've already forgotten? That's terrible. The vibrating thing. <laughs> Oh, the effigies. Yeah, where she sells tiny effigies. effigies. Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, goodness gracious. We got to get moving on this episode. She sells effigies on, on, on her Etsy store. Anyway, so we see her. We cut back over to Camelot, and we see a big fanfare as these two uh, heavily armored groups are, are marching towards each other in like the meeting hall of Camelot, presumably. Uh, and we see it's Uther, Arthur. Arthur seems a little underdressed, if you ask me. Um but it's a meeting of kings. This is a this is a grand meeting of kings. It's Lord Bayard of Mercia, uh, and they have come uh, for a peace treaty with Uther, with Camelot. They've been at war for a very long time, so this is a pretty big deal. This peace treaty is a pretty big deal. Uh, we see, nobody else in the crowd notices this, of course, but we notice that Nimue is among this king's entourage. Yes. Um, uh, who else? For some reason, Merlin is there. Couldn't really wrap my head around that. I know he's Arthur's servant, but it just feels like... Um, Speaking of classist, like he shouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was gonna say the reason that Arthur is underdressed is because his servant is Merlin, and uh, Merlin does not know how to dress himself at all. Like Merlin, mm-hmm. Mer- Merlin like has an okay bandana thing going on. Like that's about the coolest yeah. thing you can say. Otherwise, it's See, just yeah. rags. It's just pure Arthur fucking rags. Arthur has had competent servants dressing him his entire life. Yeah. So he he himself does not know what he is supposed to wear, and he just assumes, well, if a servant gave it to me. It's got to be correct. It's yes. a, in a weird way. Uh, he's actually really open and caring because he believes that the servants know their shit. Yeah, they've always have them before. unconditionally. Yeah, they always have. So he sees the best in people. My uh, my favorite <laughs> so thing, to, my favorite thing to do in Bloodborne was to dress my character up in the sweaty clothes outfit, and this feels very much like what Merlin's vibe is. Merlin's yeah, always Merlin was like, ah, uh, here, put clothes. this on. He's like, Are you sure that this is um, this is suitable for the occasion? He was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I don't, totally. I don't see why not? I'd yeah. wear that. This has um, treaty written all over it, cuz get off it. Get, get, this get, has get, treaty written all over it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, the Uther and uh, Bayard, they shake hands, mm-hmm. and all seems well. Yeah. Um, then we get our, our opening music. Everything is happy. Everything's good. Um, but you know there's going to be some fantasy adventure, Jeremy. Um, and it all starts with Merlin complaining to Gaius about doing servant work, and Gaius being like, what do you expect your servant? Um, what do you expect? You're poor. And, and Merlin's like, Jesus, already with the poor thing? <laughs> Again? Jesus Christ, Again? dude. I live with you, and you don't live in a big house. You 
live at your job, so shut you up. You live at your job, man. So <laughs> maybe let's no, not throw stones, okay? Um, Nimoy shows up and does a little slippy slip in front of Merlin. Um, and Nimoy is pretty smart because not only is she super beautiful, but her shirt is basically undone. And and Merlin is like, those are that's cleavage. I've never seen cleavage before. This is I can't <laughs> Guys, handle myself. What's that? Do you need me to commit a crime right now? I'll just go commit a crime right now. It's no big deal. I am I am feeling yeah. enchanted. <laughs> This is this is where this is somebody who has observed Merlin's um, number one character trait is that he can't stop flirting. I was going to call it a character flaw, but sometimes it works in his favor. And this, she's like, okay, so this guy's a flirt, like he's an idiot, and he can't stop <laughs> smirking at people. So all I got to do is throw a single cleave at him, and he's done. Um, and that's that's exactly what happens here. Yeah, she's just sort of like gives him a smile. He, he's like, oh, let me. Let me help you with your with your towels or whatever. And suddenly he's just he's out of control. Um, she didn't need to do this. No, this is just her really... having a little fun. Like this is, I guess, the thing that I take away. Oh from... no, you know what? They do meet up again later. I forgot that they met up again. Yeah, the, the thing that I take away from this though is just Nimoy just likes to have a little flirting good time is with the people that she wants to kill. And I don't, I think that's it's, a good thing. It is. I think it's a trait amongst all who who use magic, is they just love to flirt. They just that's love. Just comes with the territory to flirt. Um. She leaves. Uh, Gaius gives him a little, uh, gives him a little of the old, like you know, dirty uncle. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. It just sounds so bad. He makes fun of Merlin a little bit. He doesn't give him the dirty uncle, which sounds disgusting. Um, meanwhile, Nimue slips out. Uh, you could tell she likes to do magic, Chris, because she likes to skulk about just like Merlin does. Yeah, if you see somebody skulking, they're they're seconds away from conjuration. Nine out of ten times, hand they're about to conjure a snake out of a shield. Uh, yeah. She yeah. sneaks into what I thought was Arthur's room, but I think this is just a random room and swaps the uh, real chalice for a poison chalice. Yeah. Um, and then we cut over to Merlin helping Arthur dress for the banquet uh, with some clothes. Once again, that, he's, he finds himself underdressed. <laughs> super underdressed. Uh, and even the clothes that like Merlin has picked out for him that are apparently very stinky uh, were not are not good clothes like they're not they're not super cool clothes i can't believe that this dude has the audacity to stand next to morgana at any point in his life like because morgana comes out there just fucking looking like a queen every single time and arthur's over there in a fucking crocs like he <laughs> and looks cargo like he's crocs and he's wearing a, a sports jersey yeah um Arthur is, is Arthur is definitely the dude who uh, wants to wear Carhartt shit, but disappears when Carhartt shit needs to be get done. You know what I'm saying? Like yep, that's yep, just yep, yep, yep. Um, that's 100%. He's also the type of dude who can do Carhartt shit, but refuses to wear Carhartt shit, which is is sure, the duality yeah. of Arthur. I think really, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Merlin finds out that he is also invited to the banquet because he is wearing a uh, a special outfit. Um, and it's, yeah, the official servant robes of Camelot, and they're absolutely ridiculous. He looks like a jester, to to to, to put it lightly, I guess. Um, Arthur absolutely delights in this. Guinevere sees him, and she delights in this. Everybody is having fun with this. Everybody loves to see Merlin humiliated just a little bit, not in a like weird way, but just in a like you know you're you're a little too nice kind of way. Just take it down a notch. Every well, because you've got to take this guy down a notch. Yeah. Everybody likes. Merlin, you gotta but bully you gotta him a little just, bit. You gotta bully him. He's just got a little. He's got a little too much pep in his stuff. If so I met Merlin, like, oh, I would no. give him a handshake, a, sho- a handshake, a hug, and then I would take his lunch money. Like that's just what yeah. that's just what you got to do yeah. with this guy. Just you know, otherwise he's just gonna be out here and and never having been bullied properly, and he'll never learn. You know. We see uh, Merlin is standing next to Gwen when he catches Nimue's eyes, uh, and Gwen is like, "Well, she's very pretty for a servant," and Merlin's like, "She's really pretty for a princess." And I think they're, 
I don't know that they're like specifically trying to get us to believe in like a romantic interest between Merlin. Bro, and she kisses Gwen. him later. It, but uh, I mean, it definitely feels like they they put the camera on her as this. He's like, oh well, I mean, I guess he's okay. Like, I mean, it's nothing special. Yeah, you know, yeah, she can tell. Like, oh, okay, whatever. I guess I'll just go screw myself because you're too busy staring at her to even talk to me. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's explicitly a ship, even though she does kiss him later. <laughs> she was just excited. Um, I, I, but I, I ship everybody in the show together. I want everybody that's the thing to be is, I think that they are, they're doing a pretty good job of keeping anything on the table. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think that that makes viewers interested. Interested. If you have a ship that you like, you want to see those characters interact. Yeah. Um, and if it, and if any option seems like it's incredibly viable, then there people are going to be excited. It, um, it also means that um, if that nothing does happen. And you can go be incredibly shitty on the internet to people because <laughs> fandom Shit. is weird. Just go bully somebody. Um, they sign the treaty. Everybody applauds. Uh, Bayard starts talking a whole lot. Uh, they bring out the chalices so that they can, you know, drink to the occasion. Um, and Nimue makes her move. Uh, and kind of like you don't. I don't really think you saw this coming. Like this is a little bit of a twist on what you expected to happen. She tells Merlin the plot. She says that Bayard um, has poisoned this chalice. She's hoping that. Or he is hoping that once Arthur is dead, it'll break Uther and break Camelot, allowing them to evade and take over the land. Um, Merlin, having just seen Cleavage for the first time in his life, immediately 100% believes her. I'll do anything for you. She's like, what? He's like, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I will help you do any... I'll do... do uh, I'm going to go. What was I doing? Leave. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? I'm not here. Pull <laughs> um, yourself together, Merlin. Uh, and he runs into the event, stops it, uh, demands like pulls the chalice out of dude. If I had a dollar for every time that Merlin interrupts so, so Uther, often, dude, it's so often bro, we we learned in episode one that Merlin is willing to execute people for using magic, and and I know he's not using any magic here, but he just insists on sticking his nose in other people's business. And I know, I know that he's always in the right. Merlin always his keynote, but it's just so ridiculous. Like pull Arthur aside. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, dude, it's it's a little bit ridiculous at this point, uh, but also like it it's it's exactly what you want the show to be like a little little over the top, a little crazy. Of course, of course. Um, this of course, you know, Merlin accuses Bayard, um, and and you know everybody freaks out. Like knives are drawn, swords are drawn. Everybody's on the brink of battle, and uh, Bayard's like absolutely not. Or excuse me, Bayard. Is, is like absolutely not this wasn't me like who is this cat like i don't know this guy does anybody know this guy and everyone's like yeah, shaking their head and author's like i poor. love him i love him a lot yeah. Uther's like calm down um, arthur. yeah arthur always jumps to his defense he's like oh nope he's just beginning into the stupidity gin again um <laughs> but uh yeah arthur's trying to cover from from what he perceives as merlin's stupidity uther is like i've i now recognize this guy and as i told you before i never want to recognize anybody if i remember your face we got a problem we, we, we have I've seen your face we have too many an times. absolute problem um and uther demands that merlin explain himself we're at a peace treaty you can't just come over here and accuse this king of trying to poison my son because that's going to literally start a war you need to understand this um and and to explain it all away after you know swords are pointed and challenges are made uther makes merlin drink the the poisoned goblet and he's like hey if it if nothing happens we're all good but if it kills him then we'll know he was right like that's such a that's such a Uther thing to do, right? It was like the the test they used to do for witches five hundred years yeah. ago, right? Where they would be like, um, if she swims, she's a witch. If she drowns, then we know she wasn't. 
but she died. So either way, you're fucked. Um, Mer- that's that's Merlin here. Um, they, uh, but this, he does it. This is he like the, this is the first time that he that Uther throughout this episode is going to be like, this dude's life does not matter to me. I do not care about this. And like, if you were the servants in this castle and you saw this, you'd be like, what in the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, yeah. I thought we were bros. This like, I know a... there's like a, a separation, but I thought we were kind of cool. I've been dressing you since you were six. Like, I thought we were cool, but you're just going to kill this yeah. guy? Doesn't seem what? fair. <laughs> I've been dressing you since you were six and you don't even know my name. <laughs> this seems bad. And I, and I always I always explained it away. I always made excuses. I always thought it was just a bit you were doing. But I was no, rolling with the bit, but it not. turns out you just you're just a rich asshole. Uther, you're just a monster. Um, um, anyway, they make Merlin drink it, and boy does he gulp. They really upped those gulp sounds. It's like, yeah, it's, it's over the top. We should note um, that like Arthur like really tries to stop this, and Merlin's like, no, no wait, no way. This is this is what I do. Uh, and at first, everything seems like it's normal, and then of course he begins to choke, and then he collapses. Uh, first person on the scene, Arthur. I'm just saying, the doctor didn't get there first. It was all Arthur. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, swords are drawn. They quickly overpower the the Merkai. Is that the name of the something like that? Sure, Marcia. I don't know. Marcia. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they quickly overpower the Marcia group. Uh, put them in jail. They haul Merlin back to the lab to go do experiments on. Um, my favorite part of this because you know you have to do like some lore diving to figure out what the poison is, and I was like, "There's no way he just he just gulped all of that down." But no, there was just a whole ass petal in the cup. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought she did a magic incantation, but really she just put a flower petal yeah, and <laughs> in I, the and, goblet. And specifically did this, you know, to lead to all of the events that are going to happen. Like she's she, she's playing the puppet master here, all um, according to plan. But yeah, now uh, Gaius, Gwen, and Arthur are back at the lab trying to figure out what they should do. Of course, he finds the the flower petal. He starts flipping through his lore books. Um, he's got to have those lore books on hand. Very quickly, finds a matching flower petal in one of his books. It, it belongs to the Mortius flower. Mm-hmm. Um, and only another flower from that same flower, <laughs> another petal from that same flower, uh, can cure him. They need that if they want to make the potion that will heal him. But uh-oh. Uh, and if there's, not, there's if a not pro- then he'll die in four or five days. There's a problem, though, Chris. The flowers. What's that problem? The flowers are only available to rich people. And there's no rich people in this yeah. room right now. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh-uh. It's just Gwen, not Gaius, not. and Merlin, no. who the three of them put and, together. Uh, and Arthur, <laughs> Arthur is there, and he's like, well, sorry, I'm not allowed to uh, use money. Yeah. So I can't help you. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't dirty my hands with your filthy currency, peasants. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you mean we have know, to they, buy uh, something? They should just give it to me. I'm a prince. <laughs> it can only be found in the forest of Balok, which is you know a few days' journey away over a mountain. They they make it sound pretty epic. Um, the area is also known to be guarded by a cockatrice, which is a certain kind of spooky monster. Not quite a Gia dude, but still pretty. Still intense. pretty, pretty, um, pretty hardcore there. I, I do love that, that Arthur hears all this and he just says, sounds like fun. Um, you know, I don't think he really feels that way. But of course, that bravado's got to come out. Um, and without another word, he pretty much just gets ready to, to set off. This is this is what he, he wants to do. We, uh, we get some really killer music uh, as Nimoy leaves the castle on horseback. Uh, Gwen rushes to Morgana saying like, oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't here to dress you. And she's like, I don't need you to dress me, girl. I dress myself. Yeah, I dress uh, myself. I'm, I'm not Arthur Pendragon, okay? I know I know what clothes are. I know how to work them. Um, yeah. But she says, you know, hey, you don't worry about me. Just go take care of Merlin. Like, I can see to myself. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, meanwhile, Uther and Arthur are having this argument about Arthur going. And Uther makes kind of a valid point here. Um, 
when he says like hey you're not gonna go risk your life in the future of camelot to save some servant boy like that's ridiculous and arthur's like but he's my boyfriend and arthur's like you're what i don't know that word it's you're camelot <laughs> I don't, we don't have those terms i yet. am not privy to such things <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are you on fantasy tumblr arthur i didn't authorize that <laughs> yeah absolutely um yeah, he says, um, he's like, why? Because his life is worthless. Uh, and, and Uther says, no, his life isn't worthless, but it is worth less than yours. And he's like, okay, with the wordplay. Okay, Got really, 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 really? Gotta pop, do this. Really? Um, and Arthur says, I can't stand by and watch him die. To which Uther says, then don't look. Then don't look, dude. Ooh. Just leave. Fucking Uther. That's cold as ice, dude. I'm just um, saying, the guy that was going to fetch hot water for Uther's bathtub just sped in it as he was walking by here yeah, in this conversation. Yeah, He's yeah, like, fuck this guy, look. dude. And <laughs> I, I understand his pathos here is that the boy won't be the last one to die on your behalf. I understand that he's trying to teach Arthur this lesson of, you know, if you're going to be king, people are going to die for you. That's the way it goes. Like, we literally just stopped a war. Yeah. So a lot of people have died for me, as, as Uther says. Um, but we, we can't abide by that. We can't, you can't just, you know, the hero can't watch a friend die and do nothing about it. But just despite his best efforts, Uther forbids Arthur from, Arthur from going. And this is, in our next scene, Morgana comes to visit Arthur, who goes to his room. And she doesn't come to visit, dude. She glides in. She does She room. does just kind of, like, drift in as if she was floating down the hallways of dude, Camelot. The, the curtains stir in the in the wind coming in through the window, and suddenly Morgana's in the room. He's like, are you a ghost? What? How did you get in here? Arthur is like, is it windy? What the fuck is going on right now? I'm confused and also uh, sad. It's, it's only her dress blowing in the wind. Everything else in the room Everything's is still. still. Arthur's yeah. just like, what the fuck? Do you have a wind machine? How are you doing this? Like, why are you glowing? I don't get it. <laughs> and she's like, are you really going to take that shit from your dad? And he's like, oh, you spoiled it by um, talking like that. <laughs> yeah, she, she comes in and basically like just kind of pulls him out of a sulk because that's what he was doing was kind of sulking. And uh, Morgana just shows up dressed to kill uh, and is like, hey, you know, what do you, what kind of king do you think Camelot would want? Like, do you think they want a king that would save a, a, a helpless person in need? Or do you think they would want a king that would listen to their dad? And I'm like, wow. Mm. <laughs> That's hardcore, my mm. I love it. Mm. You got him. You meanwhile, got him. meanwhile, Nimoy watches all through her scrying pool. Um, back over to Merlin. He's muttering magic in his sleep. <laughs> Gwen is like, um, what? Is that? <laughs> Gaius is like, don't worry. It's just, it's poor talk. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Japanese. He's just a huge weed. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> He's a huge weeb. And he's a huge weeb. Um, Quinn is like, like I'm, I'm even more confused. No, no, now. my dad um, is a huge weeb. I'm pretty sure that that this is this doesn't sound like dubs to me. This sounds like subs. This sounds like subs all the way. Um, they find a strange rash on his wrist. Yeah, this dude <laughs> looks like, like he has the fucking death mark or something. Like, what is yeah. this? What is this rash? Quote unquote. Um, I don't know. But the poison what, is accelerated. They realize that rash isn't supposed to show up for a few more days into the symptoms of this poison. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that this has appeared, that means that there's there's only about two days left until Merlin succumbs to this. And we've had a kind of a running subplot of Uther and Gaius knowing who Nimue is uh, and knowing that she could potentially be active, although Uther doesn't really believe it, but she, he believes that they got rid of her. Uh, and you can kind of see in Gaius's face like, oh, I think that this is, okay, well, this could be dangerous. Um, we jump from uh, there to, oh, she, he sends Gwen to go find the servant girl because she thinks he thinks that that might be Nimue. Uh, mm-hmm. We jump from there to Uther and Morgana uh, and Morgana 
take no shit from nobody, bro. <laughs> We're kind of just serving it back as soon as because yeah. Uther's like yelling at her, like, can't believe that he would do this, and she's like, I can't believe he would follow his own path. Jeez, what are you gonna do? Yeah, Lock him up. Is. <laughs> Can't, can't believe he would think for himself and have his own brain. Um, yeah, Uther Uther's really not happy about any of this. But we see Arthur riding on through the hills. We got some fun backgrounds here as he's on his horse. Um, this is like we see um, we see Gwen go down to to the dungeons now and look at all these faces, and it's the longest weirdest scene of this episode. Because <laughs> we, the viewer, know that Kara's not there. Yeah, we know that Gwen's not going to find. But her. it's another so, it's so... another opportunity to show us the pores, Chris. That's what they're doing. They're like, wow, look at all uh... these poor people we put in jail. You don't see yeah. you don't see uh, what's his name Balak or Balar or whatever his name Bayard in Blockhead, there. Blockhead, yeah, King Blockhead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we 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 cut back over to. I guess Gaius talking to to Gwen about how he thinks that a really powerful sorceress is behind this. He suspects that this is a trap being set up for Arthur, but they can't do anything about it. Um, meanwhile, Merlin is laying there moaning Arthur's name in his sleep. Come on, at guys, one, at come one point, on. at one point later in the episode, he's just moaning faster, faster, and I'm like, mm, you guys, you guys, you shouldn't, mm, guys, don't do that. They know they had to know what they were doing. That's all I'm saying. Um, Arthur who is about to get to the cave, uh, runs into Nimoy, who is uh, on the ground pretending to be wounded uh, as he is like rushes over to try to take care for her. A cockatrice appears. Uh, and then it's time for, for a CGI fight. Uh, these get better, yeah. folks. If you're watching along these with this. These definitely get better. This is, this is real silly. This reminds me of, you know, the sci-fi original movies that I used to watch every once in a while. Yeah, this is, um, it's, it's very Xena. It's, it's low budget. Like I mentioned. Like it's, it's, they, know, they know that they can't, like they set up the fight and they set up the camera shots in such a way that we don't really have to see Arthur swinging at the thing all that much. Mm-hmm. Although they do some slow mo stuff as he like twirls his wrist with the sword, as if to say that's a fancy. He's just twirling his wrist. He's not doing anything with that sword. Do you take a shot um, every time Arthur twirls his sword around his body? Like I don't know what technique they, this is, but like it's, it's like what does he do? Is he charging up for it for a, a, an impressive? He's charging. Skill? Yeah, he's charging his mana so that he can unleash a, a fire attack. Perfect. Um, I love it. But he, you know, he fights this thing and it, it, it's exciting as as it is you know you have to look past the constraints of it but he has a battle with this cockatrice this this charmeleon looking monster um and then kind of off camera he throws his sword and it ends up like piercing it in the heart and he's able to kill it yes uh this is actually kind of dope like it's obviously low budget but the idea of him rolling under and then just fucking hurling his sword and killing yeah, the cockatrice yeah. is kind of metal dude it's kind of cool um, and it's just a constraint of working around the budget, you know, working yeah. around the fact that they know it's going to be a CGI monster. Um, and if he throws the sword, then they don't have to have this awkward thing where he stabs into something that's not really there. And you know, it works. They, they, they make it work. Um, Nibue tells uh, Arthur that her master wounded her and wants him to take her away from there. And Arthur's like, I can, babe. But first, I got to work. Got to go do my prince job. <laughs> uh, she's like, don't don't call me babe. Like, I'm an evil sorceress. I did prince. not like that. <laughs> do not appreciate that kind of attitude. I'll get you out of this town, babe. Just you wait. <laughs> don't you worry yourself, dearie. He's like, wait, that's worse. Just a few more was... shifts down at the docks. We'll, we'll split town, babe. <laughs> I don't Start like, over. Don't like you calling We're me the babe. the Young Turks. You ever heard the Young Turks? <laughs> 
Um, he says he has to go find a flower anyway. He's like, yeah, let's go. I, I know exactly where that is. I'm from the caves, <laughs> basically. I live in those caves over there. He's like, oh, you're a poor. Oh, okay, oh, now, now, now oh, I understand. You're, oh, you're a poor. Never mind. Uh, Merlin is still talking. I lied. To this. I lied. I don't really work at the docks. I'm not doing any shifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not doing any shifts. <laughs> I'm here to save my wizard boyfriend. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's that's odd. What does the word boyfriend mean? Because I think I see it. Yeah. As soon as you said it, I think I knew what it meant, but I want you to confirm for me. I want you to confirm what it means. Um, meanwhile, we get more of... Um, well, she says she can help Arthur find the Mortius flower. They'll go into the cave together. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Merlin continues to, to mutter Arthur's name in his sleep, but he's saying it's a trap, starting to in- indicate that, wait, maybe... Merlin is actually seeing what's going on in his sleep, and he continues to recite incantations. I don't know what he's up to. Um, you don't know, bro. Back to Arthur. Arthur in the cave. He's led to the flower, which is they they come to this this kind of chasm, the small chasm in the middle of the cave. There's a ledge sticking out, and then across on the other side, you can see the flower growing along the wall. Um, he steps out, and then like two seconds later, she's like, you know, just FYI, I'm a very loud caster. In case there was any question about yeah. that, I'm a loud farter and I'm a loud caster. Yeah, you don't want to sleep in a bed doing, with me, and I'm doing both right now. And you and you don't want to be on this side of the incantation smell. I promise you that because they're both real bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, it's like an exhaust pipe. When I do magic, this is just how it works. How Merlin it does it too. Yeah, yeah, Merlin does it too. He has a very limited diet, so it doesn't smell as rich as mine does. Yeah, you only feed him. Here? You only feed him gruel, so nothing really could come yeah. out. It's like a weird puff nothing of really bad out. air. But if you, if you give that boy a robust diet, you will get a robust scent as yeah, yeah. you know the give that dude a steak and you're gonna know that he's a wizard is all i'm saying <laughs> i think it's just that camelot smells so bad to begin with oh yeah yeah the <laughs> sewer is just yeah. right there like it, it, it's not far away so yeah you can just go into it <laughs> this whole this whole um, scene with the like uh, he has to jump across the little gap but he's standing on the rocks and she's casting the spell it's really kind of goofy uh and it's 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 just kind of a reminder that oh yeah the show is a little low budget at this point like yeah they spend yeah. their money when they, where they need to spend their money like i think all of the costuming and all of like the the set stuff that they've done because apparently they were filming a bunch of this in an actual castle in France and then they came back and did a bunch of stuff on the sound stages and combined all of that stuff which is mind-boggling that it all went together mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as it did um but it's just a reminder of like this is kind of corny and goofy uh it's so cor- and I think I was saying this on our first episode how this just reminds me of all the shit that we would pretend to do when we were kids like playing yeah. in the woods like, mm-hmm. I was dude some whenever we were playing pretend somebody was always hanging off a cliff it was like the smallest rock in somebody's backyard and we're clinging to that thing for dear life like oh, this just reminds me of that so much just like kids playing the imagination stuff um but and for that i actually i love it i love how silly some of this is and so i, I think i forgive it a lot for how silly it is um but yeah we get we get arthur here he suddenly you know the the rocks fall from beneath him he's he finds himself climbing on there's there's cgi spiders attacking him he's gonna have a sword fight with spiders while hanging for his life it's very intense for what it is not a good situation for anybody um shout out to the arachnophobics in the in the audience by the way that's mm-hmm. not that's not a good time for them because those spiders are no. better than the cockatrice cgi for sure especially there's a couple of scenes where yeah. they're in the dark and like climbing up and you just see their red eyes kind of skittering it's very creepy um yeah. Nimue takes off her hood and is like, hey, and Arthur's like, you just look exactly the same. I still don't know who you are. This was not a reveal. Like, I saw you without your hood outside. Yeah. I think. <laughs> you, you weren't I wearing, don't... yeah, the hood came later. I don't know where you got that thing from. Yeah. Uh, but she says, oh, uh, I'm the last face you're going to see. Uh, and I'm just going to leave you to all of these spiders because it's not my, it's not your destiny to die by my hand. And then just jets in the mm. best, like that's a good, you know, 
sorceresses yeah. have some great exit lines, and this is one of them, Chris. I think that'd be a cool thing to say at the end of a party. Yeah. Um, it's not your destiny to die by my hand. Somebody's like, hey, it's not your destiny to die by my hand. And then you leave, and they'll be like, what the fuck was Chris that, just dude? threaten me? Yeah, why did, why did he just come in here reading <laughs> Berserk the, for the entire party? Bro, is that a weird. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Arthur's just left there, and then there's more spiders showing up. We're in trouble. Uh, she leaves him. He's very confused. Merlin continues to dream. He continues to chant in his sleep, confirming that he's even more uh, connected to Arthur than we realized. Because in his dream, he's having this vision, and he's casting a he's casting light magic that makes its way to Arthur. So now Arthur, well, he was in this dark cave surrounded by spiders, and suddenly this this orb of light appears before him. Um, this like a divine intervention stuff that you see in all of these like old uh, legends and stuff. Uh, you know, Beowulf, like that kind of thing. Um, that that is here, but it's just Merlin. It's not divine intervention. It's just Merlin. It's just your boyfriend dreaming about you, and he sends a ball of light to Arthur, who he thinks the ball of light's there to kill him. Um, and but I think somehow that gives Arthur the strength to continue climbing. Yeah. Now that there's this new threat, uh, you know, it's a it's a not really a threat, but he perceives it to be that way, and it kind of lights a new fire under him so he doesn't give up he keeps climbing um merlin in his dream is telling arthur to leave the flower and to save himself follow the light out um but of course arthur's Ar- arthur's not gonna abandon that he came all this way he's, he's not gonna yeah, exactly. not go for the flower it's just within reach um more spiders appear but arthur he he goes for the flower anyway he manages to to grab one and then finally escapes as merlin moans for him to be go faster faster um and he follows <laughs> the light he follows stop. the light arthur escapes and he rides back to camelot i like i like this whole sequence a lot uh i like the fact that that arthur and merlin's connection is so powerful and that like in a kind of a comatose state merlin is able to assist him and doing some shit that he wouldn't really understand how he did in real life like if he was awake he wouldn't be able to like oh i'm gonna go make a, a remote light ball for him like he wouldn't know how to do that like this is just a natural thing for him um and it's this is all like really tense and good. Like this is this is this is this is good shit. Uh, and yeah, he just runs, he fucking hauls ass back to Camelot, where he is confronted by guards who are there to arrest him on Uther's orders. Uh, and then we skip to a jail cell where uh, Uther is like, "Dude, what the fuck? I told you not to do this." And Arthur's like, "Hey, Dad, you can't control me. This is not just a phase. He's my servant, bro. What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't mind when I blast Nine Inch Nails, okay? He thinks it's cool. You know what, Dad? He thinks my music's cool. What have you ever said that my music was cool, Dad? <laughs> you don't even you don't even like Trent Reznor. You don't even like the Social do Network even, soundtrack. What the hell? Do you even know? Do you even know who Trent Reznor is, Dad? Oh, no, man. you just listen to Johnny Cash. You just think the Johnny Cash version of Hurt is the original. Okay, well, it's not. All right. Trent wrote the song. Uh, Dad. <laughs> I like I like Merlin insisting that covers are the original versions of the song. That's very funny to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, um, okay. So, yeah, he th- th- this is the this is the the real the bullshit that comes from Uther. Um this is Uther's questioning this is Arthur. Not only did he disobey me, but he's like, "Why? Why did you even do this?" And Arthur is like, "Merlin risked his life for me. Not only did he save me in episodes one, two, and three, but he also this episode he drank that that poison, knowing full well that it could kill him. Um, so that's why that's why Arthur did it because he he owed him that loyalty. Um, and he also was like, "Hey, I encountered a sorceress who was pretty sus, and I think that she might be behind this, and not the other king." Um, but just to, he's like, you know what? Screw it. Whatever. Keep me in here for a month. I don't care. 
give this flower to Gaius so that he can he can cure Merlin and and you know I'll I'll take my lesson and and go from there. Um, but Gaius or not Gaius, Uther takes the flower, crushes it, and then just leaves Arthur to be locked up with with the flower laying on the floor. You have to learn a lesson. Um, you have to you have to learn a lesson. This feels unnecessarily cruel at this point. Um, and it's it's a sign that like. Uther is a little bit more. Uh, he's 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 faithful to the rules by the letter as he is to like their intent, because I think just about anybody else would be like, oh, well, you brought the flower back. Like, okay, like I'm gonna throw you in jail mm-hmm. for a month. Like, we're, you're gonna learn a lesson about disobeying me, but also like I'll save the servant kid. But instead, like by not allowing the kid to have the flower, he's just literally murdering Merlin. <laughs> Yep. And again, yep. like all of the servants watching this are like, "Are you fucking serious?" You <laughs> like this, fucking, I, I, I have to go run this guy's bath. And if you think I'm not pissing in it, that, you got another thing coming. That asshole owns me. Do you understand that? Like, I don't yeah. work here. He owns me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I am I'm property. A slave. Yeah. <clears throat> Unbelievable. This guy. Unbelievable. And Merlin continues to suffer. Um, back at back at the lab, he's dying. He's looking skeletal. It's not great. Mm-mm. Um, and here's what Gwen, Gwen offers to sneak into the dungeon to try to see Arthur. They're not letting anyone in to, to see him, so they can't just go talk to him. Um, and I, I love that, like if they set it up like it's gonna be the stealth mission where she's gonna get in there, but it's very easy. She just walks in and is like, "I got food for him." Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, sure." Oh, go ahead, uh, go ahead. No worries, no worries, no worries, no worries. We got this. She brings the food in and he puts on his pompous airs as he looks at the food. He kind of is able to figure out what's going on here because he knows why would Guinevere be bringing me my food? Um, so Arthur pretends to reject the food, being like, "I'm not eating that poor people food." And she's like, "Okay, I know that you're doing a bit, but this is getting to be a little bit too much." <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, he 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 sneaks the flower onto the plate, and dude, she can't. She needs to chill. Guinevere needs to chill when she picks up the plate. She sees the flower on it. And she's got the biggest smirk on her face. She's been hanging out with Merlin too much. I'm like, get that smile off your face. Is this too much? Oh, she, you're gonna spoil it. She like looks at him and is like, "Yeah, bro, you fucking nailed this. You fucking killed this mm-hmm. stuff." Like it's. I mean, like she is. She is giving dude, away. Gwen everything. loves mischief. She loves it. She's not always the instigator of mischief, but I've said it before. That's her thing, dude. She loves watching the mind freaks at play. She I loves love it. just watching a prank unfold. And this was, he picked up on the prank, on the mischief, I guess. This isn't exactly a prank. Well, it's a prank on the guards. Um, she just loves this shit. She loves this. Um, and as she's leaving, uh, one of the guards stops, stops her and is like, I'm, I'm just going to eat the food. And she's like, yeah, no sweat. Yeah, no, no, no sweat. sweat. This is, hey, this is garnish, uh, just, by the way. I don't know if you know the word garnish, but <laughs> this is garnish. Yeah. yeah. Just as she's finally leaving, the real uh, servant with the real food comes in. Uh, and so they, they send guards. They're like, wait, after her, stop her. She runs off with the flower. But nope, they just, I guess they just lost her. She got to the top of the stairs. Yeah, who cares? Find her. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't need any follow-up to this either. Like, I, I didn't really care about it. Like, she, in my mind, Gwen just knows the castle and was able to sneak away. Like, and nobody cares. Like, that guard's going to see Gwen the next day and is like, didn't lie. And she's like, no, 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 different chick. And he's like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. She's like, that's actually pretty classist of you that you think that all uh, surfings look alike. Uh, Gwen, um... Gives the flower to Gaius, who makes the antidote, but realizes, oh, wait, this is going to need magic. Uh, and she's like, but magic is illegal. And Gaius is like, that is true. Would you mind going to get me a glass of water from four <laughs> miles away? <laughs> no reason. I just, I'm just very thirsty uh, all of a sudden. This water doesn't work. <laughs> I need special water from like 20 minutes away. Can you just give me a good 20 minutes? 
Remember in Supernatural, in like season one, there's there's a scene where like Sam and Dean want to talk about some spooky shit. So they tell this woman to go like, he's like, oh, hey, can I have a beer? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll get your beer. He's like, can you make me a sandwich while you're at it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Least, at least Guy has had the decency to be like, please, I need a bucket of water. I need, I need a he knows bucket take. of water, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, and while she is gone, Gaius... He does a he does a little magic spell, and you know what? It works. It works. Gaius has got a little Gaius, magic with him. He's got a little magic. What's going on here? Uh, Gwen comes back just in time to to have Gaius give the potion to Merlin, um, and and just as they administer it, they they look at him and they think everything's going to be okay, but then suddenly they realize his heart has stopped. Merlin's heart has stopped, um, and they instantly. They start both blaming themselves. I should have done this. I should have done that. They hug each other, um, just just in their uh, their despair. They've worked for a couple of days now trying to keep this guy alive. And suddenly, think that he's uh, he's dead. And then we hear suddenly Merlin wake up <laughs> and chide Gaius. He's like, Gaius, she's young enough to be your daughter or something like that. He just can't. He can't keep it. He can't keep it professional. Merlin's always got to have comments. Dude, Merlin's got to have jokes, man. Merlin's got to have jokes. And he's like, get your hands off my girl. And Gwen's like, are you, I'm your girl? And he's like, nah, babe, don't worry about that. <laughs> That's just something I learned from Arthur. <laughs> something I learned from Arthur, yeah. Um, yeah, he says, I'm the ghost, come back to haunt you, Merlin says. <laughs> and then uh, And then Gwen rushes in and she smooches him. Yeah. She gives him a big old smooch. And, um, and Merlin is like, having just seen his first cleavage yesterday, now he has his first kiss and he is overwhelmed by the feelings that he has as a is a growing boy. He so he lays back down and goes to sleep for about forty five minutes, and then when he wakes back up, he's like, "Okay, what happened?" <laughs> Gwen is like, "I'm sorry, I just got excited in the moment, smooshed you," and he's like, "It's fine, it's, it's fine. Time. It's, totally uh, fine. it's more than fine." It's, in fact, hey, in fact um, don't tell Arthur. It was it was so fine. Don't tell Arthur don't, about it. it. That was yeah, that was so good. I I just don't. I we don't need to. He doesn't need to know. Um, if he needed to know, he wants Gwen, to know. I would tell him. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If Arthur needed yeah. to know that, he would get that information from me. You don't need to tell him yourself. But he doesn't remember anything since he drank the wine. So they catch him up to speed. And then we see Gaius going in to talk to Uther, who's at like a war council, um, because they have imprisoned this other kingdom's king. <laughs> and so that army is now marching on Camelot. Uh, and Gaius is like, this is pretty serious. I need to talk to you right now. Um, I don't think this is this was Bayard's doing. I think that this was Nimoy's hand. This like, is um, I investigated everything. And, and this seems to be the only solution. There's a there's a couple moments here. There was one earlier when... Arthur was arguing with Uther about going to get this flower in the first place when he said that, you know, how do you even know this will work? And he's like, well, Gaius knows it. He's like, oh, well, I know that's wrong because Gaius said it. And then here, when Gaius shows up, uh, or excuse me, when Ar- yeah, when Gaius shows up and wants Uther's attention, he's like, oh, I got better shit to do, Gaius. And it's like, they're 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 like a team <laughs> but for this episode there's just a little yeah. bit of like like static in between them and it's really weird and it's one of those examples of like in the next episode they'll just be a team again <laughs> like we won't we won't ever hear about this it's it's always a little weird when they do that mm-hmm. um but here I, yeah all right sure okay yeah. whatever you say um he is able to get through to him and we learn a little bit more about we don't learn any more necessarily but we know that we we learn that there is more history with nimoy there there is something pretty serious here gaius was involved as well as uther um and and she wants war this is all an instigation um to 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 create a war between these two kingdoms just as they were about to have peace um so uther finally you know, you drop the name Nimoy and he starts acting different, but he calls off the attack. Yeah. Um, 
and then he he uh he seemingly goes on to you know release Bayard and and everything goes back to normal. That's that's going to be a tough one to explain. But um, Gaius asks before any of that. Gaius asks if if Arthur should be told about Nimoy. Um, because he clearly doesn't know what's going on. He's had this encounter with her now. Maybe he should learn the truth. Um, and then we cut over to we're, you know we're up on the parapets. We got we got uh, Morgana and Arthur looking down at the army as they leave. Um, and they talk about how he had this weird guiding light that like helped him out, but he doesn't really understand what that was, or he's gonna have to get used to that feeling. Morgana doesn't even bat an eye at this. She just hears it and is like, "Oh, huh." And then just walks yeah. away. It's like, oh, okay. That was, doesn't even sure. like question anything. Like just like, oh, that sounds weird. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's very funny to me. Um, How odd. All right. Anyway, she leaves, and uh, Uther comes up and says, "Like, hey." Um, tell me more about this woman. And she's like, there's not much more to tell. Uh, she obviously wanted to kill me. And she said that it wasn't her destiny to, uh, to die. It wasn't my destiny to die by her hand, which obviously triggers something in Arthur or excuse me, Uther. Um, and he, he, he backtracks and says, Oh, well, you know, cause he starts talking shit about Nima And then Arthur's like, you sound like you, did she break up with you, Dad? Is this your ex? Yeah. Like, are you? Yeah, is this your ex before like mom? <laughs> like, did bitter you... ex situation. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, not at all. I'm just, you know, I'm just real, you know, just all women be like that. You know what I'm saying? Just all women be like that nowadays. And Arthur's like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they are not like that, Dad. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. This is getting really weird. Can you man. can you can you describe be like what? Because I'm I'm very uncomfortable agreeing to any of this yeah. when you're like women this. be like what, Uther? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got real big divorce dad energy, and I thought you were, I thought you were, um. Fuck, I thought you were widower dad energy. So that's yeah, just... you were you were playing the 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 kind role of a widower, but you're acting like a divorcee right now, buddy. Don't like this at all, dad. I don't like this divorcee energy. Um, Uther says, actually, it, I just once you met one sorceress, you know, you know them all, and then says, uh, by the way, I'm even though I told you um, not to do anything, and then I, you know, I basically ran you down in front of all of the guards. Like I, you weren't here for that, but man, I just talked trash about you when you left. I it talked was... a lot of shit about you when you were. Yeah, here Leonidas. Yourself, Le- me, me and Leonidas have a running joke now. You don't understand it. You had to be there, but just if you see us bust out laughing, know it's at your expense. Just know that. Just Arthur's like, who's Leonidas? <laughs> Who the fuck is Leonidas? Oh, he's just one of my guys. One of my I haven't guys. introduced you to. Yeah, yeah, I've got a bunch of guys now. You don't need them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> then we see Uther just point down way into the into the courtyard below the Leonidas pointing back up at him. <laughs> My man, my um, man, <laughs> my man, my man. <laughs> but he does say that he was proud of Arthur, uh, and which yeah. is a, which is a nice moment. Um, and from here, we go to uh, the back to the lab where Merlin is recuperating, uh, and Arthur shows up. And um, there's kind of a a weird moment where he's like, "Hey," and, Mer- and Merlin's like, "Hey, what up?" Have you heard that you're, you know, that you did a thing, and Arthur's like, I'd do it for anybody, you know, no big, no NBD, no big deal, talk, no sweat, don't talk no about sweat. it, no sweat, it was a gift, don't talk about gifts, man, what are you doing? This is just, an, this is another moment in um a, a history of no sweat moments, no sweat right? moment, yeah. So don't, don't make a big deal out of it, Merlin, because this was no sweat. What's it's no sweat, um, Merlin? Merlin, don't don't bring it up. That, that, that's poor behavior if you bring it up like that, man. That's poor. Yeah, that's you're acting you're acting some sweat right now. This is no this is, sweat. This is no this sweat. Is a no gang, sweat situation. What are you doing? All right, no sweat, gang. It's a thing. People know about it. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know about it, that's on you. But now you know about it, so you got to be cool with it. All right. So don't. I don't want any sweat. Ask Gaius no about sweat. it. He, Gaius knows. But, I mean, Ask, he's, he's, Gaius knows no sweat, gang. All right. Yeah. So just be cool, please. This is some sweat. I'm not, now look at me. Now I'm sweating. Now I'm sweating. Now I gotta leave. Um, now I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta crack but a the, joke and get they, the fuck out. They both they give each other like a hey, thanks, man. They like you know, one of those thank yous. But then before Arthur leaves, they both stop 
and actually say a real thank you to each other. Because um, Arthur's like, all right, glad you're feeling better. You'll be back to work tomorrow because i got a lot of work for you to do. And that just seems like the typical Arthur response. But him stopping before he leaves to say thank you because he, he is acknowledging what Merlin did for him. And and Merlin, who loves his, you know, his cheeky slice of cheese, he also says thank you because he knows that Arthur literally just went and risked his life for him. And that's that's a pretty big deal. So, yeah. um, and, and Arthur doesn't have any dragon telling him that it's his destiny either. This was just a thing he did. Yeah. Uh, and after he leaves, Guy says, you know, Arthur may give you a hard time, but at heart, he's a man of honor. Um, and that that comes through here. He by episode four, Arthur seems a lot different from the petulant little shithead we met in episode one. Absolutely. Um, also notable is this is the first episode without the dragon. Um, we did we get no oh, yeah. we got no CGI dragon because we couldn't afford it because we had a CGI cockatrice. Yes. Um, <laughs> can't, fair can't, trade, I guess. Fair trade. We didn't need John Hurt today, everybody. Um, yeah. 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 This is this is a really good episode. Um, Oh wait, we we I think uh, yeah. He when, Merlin when, still doesn't know why Nimoy yeah. went to all that trouble mm-hmm. um, because she there's a easier ways to to have dealt with or to accomplish the goals that she wanted to accomplish, um, and it's because she doesn't just want to destroy Camelot. She doesn't just want to kill Arthur. She also has her eyes set on Merlin. They just don't quite know why yet because they don't know if she was responsible for the Geo dude in the sewers. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I this is this is all very good to me. I like this a lot. Um, like the, setting up Nimoy as a kind of a villain of the series, even in episode four, I think it's really good. Uh, this like weird past that she has with Gaius and, and Arthur. Uh, I remember watching this for the first time and just being really, really intrigued by like what the fuck Uther did. I said Arthur, I meant Uther. What the fuck Uther did uh, to get rid of all of the magic. Like obviously we, we see him starting to execute people and he claims it was a war, but like what the fuck actually went down? Like it's, it feels like maybe some shit went down that you shouldn't have gone down and, and we're going to find out a lot of that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, um, they, they do a pretty good job of building that, that mystery with every episode being its own sort of contained story. We get a little bit more character development each time we get a different little adventure each time, but they're also doing a, a good job of building that, you know, that main villain, the big bad, you know, something's going to happen here. This is all leading somewhere. Uh, which is great. You need that in an episodic show like this so that you feel like it, it is going somewhere and it's not just, you know, adventure of the week. So, so far, four episodes in, Merlin is doing a fantastic job with all that. Yeah, I like it. Um, I will say, when I watched this before, this was definitely like a casual watch. So, um, you know, people over on Discord were talking about it. I was like probably looking at my phone through it. It was during the... Um, that like we were in that first summer of the pandemic. Um, so everybody was still like quarantined. Um, I wasn't leaving the house a whole lot. So it was just kind of on in the background. I almost thought that I didn't see this episode in parts because I was like, cause I actually oh, wow. paid attention this time. And, uh, yeah, believe it or not, if you pay attention to the show more, it's more enjoyable for you, Chris. Did you know ah, that? It's weird how that works out, right? It is crazy how that happens sometimes. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to mention that because, uh, I know a lot of people, you know, kind of halfway pay attention, but still. I had to, um, I found myself during one scene, you know, I have a, I have a way that I take notes, um, but I usually don't pause the episode unless I like, I'm really confused about something or I miss something, but I ended up rewatching a scene because I had to get up and come back. So I watched about five minutes again that I'd already taken notes on. And it was actually like, it was great. <laughs> I loved to be able to just sit there and focus on it and absorb the information. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else, Chris? I think that'll I think that'll do us um, next week. Uh, the tease the tease for next yeah. episode included a major character that I did not expect to show up this early. Lancelot, 
Lancelot is going to be here, everybody. It's going to be exciting. And of course, Lancelot is a key figure in Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. so it was only a matter of time, but I remembered him coming in way later, so I was just thinking, we're not going to see him this season. It's just going to kick stick to the to this core group that we already know. Nope. And of course, you know, no spoilers for, for how they use different characters, but... Um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see another you know named figure from from legend. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because uh, this is gonna this is gonna mix up our relationships a little bit, which I'm very excited for. Um, you know, any having any sort of knowledge of of any Arthurian legend or any other adaptation of it, you definitely go in here with a set of expectations for each character. So it is kind of interesting how they play with that because of course they know a portion of the audience has preconceived notions about these characters. And then there's people who are experiencing this stuff for the first time through this show. Um, so it, it is fun the way that they play with it. And uh, I'm excited to see this stuff unfold. Yeah. I was, uh, I was really interested in um, some people were talking on the discord and our friend of the show Niz said that she wasn't very familiar with any of the like lore or anything. So she didn't, she didn't even put together like Gwen being Guinevere or anything like that because they just called her Gwen. So why would you ever assume that her, she has a whole other name beside and like this, right, right. this whole other thing. And again, like I don't, not going to consider that spoilers when like hey like this is arthurian stuff like well it's out there um but i just think it's really interesting because they they play their cards they do they lean into that just enough to make you really like to make people that i think like that stuff like it but also they do it differently enough that it feels like its own fresh thing so yeah exactly exactly um well let's outro this podcast chris like we always do yeah. Uh, we talk the about way that our, we always have and always will. We talk about our patrons over at patreon.com slash monster of the week. Why is it a different name? Because we had a podcast for like five years and this is our second podcast. <laughs> uh, so donating over there is a way to directly support us. You'll get episodes of this podcast early. You get exclusive podcast right now. We're covering the Lord of the Rings. Um, so if you are interested in hearing Chris and I talk about Gandalf and Gimli, uh, go check that out over at patreon.com slash monster of the week. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, again, it's still a very new podcast. So if you have any Merlin friends, please share it with them. Uh, share the episodes on Twitter, on social media, all that stuff. We would really, really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll be back next week with Lancelot. we're good and we're good it's funny you did that thing where you say a name wrong and then like four sentences later you're like i said that name wrong last time i do that all the time oh, yeah. <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like 15 minutes later and it's suddenly it's like yeah i said uther i meant arthur <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to like watch that happen in real time it happens to me constantly because i am scatterbrained but um all right It's your friendly neighborhood, Jeremy, here to tell you that the rest of these outtakes are pretty focused around the video game Elden Ring, and we spoil the heck out of it. So if you haven't finished that game and you want to not be spoiled about several of the endings, you probably shouldn't listen to this next section. Uh, We also talk about the anime Berserk, uh, or excuse me, the manga Berserk, uh, which is an incredibly violent and uh, super gory kind of comic book. So, you know, just want to throw in some content warnings for that. Um, Hope you're enjoying Still His Kingdom Keeps. Bye.
apparently there is a minor variation on that um, ending that I told you about if you do stuff in a certain order because I was uh, talking to Dex about it and I was like, who was this person? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I did not get that. And I'm like, <laughs> and I sent him a screenshot and he's like, I didn't, what the fuck did you do that was different? <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. I don't know what I did. It's just I don't think they I take complete- it. I, I didn't complete any NPC storylines. I guess I did Ronnie's or Ranny, however you say her name. Um, then, uh, so Blade, her 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 boy. I obviously had to fight him. And then, Ag or Eg, whatever his name is, like the blacksmith dude that's with her. Mm-hmm. I went to visit him at one point, and he was like, "Oh, so you dealt with Blade, and like you did all the stuff for my lady. Thank you. Like you're her champion." I was like, "No sweat, dude." Um, and then I, I closed the game, went to go do something. And then when I came back on, he just died in front of me. He like exploded and rolled over. Are you so serious? So I don't know what happened to him. Yeah, I don't know if that was on purpose or what happened. But I haven't dies. been back. <laughs> That's so weird. I, have, I haven't been back to that dude yet in a while. So I need to go do that. Um, yeah, dude, that, the, 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 the NPC quest lines are impossible. Like I don't, I don't know how you would do any of them without a guide because like it's I, just yeah because the game is the game is i mean now they're marked on the map so that's helpful but the game is too big so like you've seen the whoever the lady you have to give your grapes to or whatever um i i i think maybe i saw her twice and then never encountered her again because this map is gigantic and i'd get yeah. stuck on a boss and go somewhere else and then never think about the random npc that i met in an abandoned church you know 15 hours ago again <laughs> and then because i did her stuff um and was annoyed because the thing that you give her uh if you miss a particular event then you're just fucked you can't get it um which is fine because uh, i like all that stuff leads into that ending that i was telling you about anyway that's where she ends up going gotcha. um but uh I, I mean if you look at some of it up there it's like like the the jar guy alexander um he bops from Caled to Lyurnia to Mount Gelmer to um, the mountains and then to the place that's after the mountains. Um, huh. But like after I'd finished, like I'd already explored Lyurnia before I beat Radon. So I finished Radon. It was like, I, you know, I, there's no reason for me to go back over there. Like you would just have to be randomly like galloping right. through a very specific area. And that's how it's always been. Like it's not a, I mean, that's how all of the NPCs always, like try to do Solaris quest your first time. Like you got really lucky if you did that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think mine must've glitched the first time. Cause my first playthrough of dark souls, I did Solaris thing. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I remember being able to summon him for the final battle. Nice. Um, yeah, excellent. Cool but to, then never again. Never <laughs> again. So I think that I must have played it before it had been patched because like, there's n- no way in hell, <laughs> no way, that I did any of that stuff back then. There's no way. Yeah, because I mean, you would have had to give, like, for no reason whatsoever, give that spider lady, like, 30 humanity just to open yeah, up a shortcut. Yeah, why would I do that? You didn't know existed, <laughs> and that isn't yeah. the shortcut that's directly behind her. <laughs> that isn't right. not, is not the door that you, and the game doesn't even tell you about the door. It's fucking insane. Ridiculous. We can't even put this in the outtakes. No spoilers. No, oh, I'll, I'll just put a warning. I'm not, I'm not stressed about it. You know, what's funny is I didn't want to do the, the Ronnie storyline. I didn't care about her. I got her. I kept getting her mixed up with the other maiden lady. I didn't know, you know, I don't pay attention anymore. I can't, my brain doesn't function properly. Um, so I just was trying to, I was trying to do Wolf Boy storyline yeah. because the first time that I saw him, he was up in the tower in the ruins, just howling at the sky. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that guy seems sick. <laughs> 
I want to chill with him. So finally getting to meet up with him and do some of his stuff. I'm constantly just like, where is he? How do I get to the city where he is? Um, you had to go to like Nokron or whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I finally go to this city. Never saw him there ever. Found out that he's locked away somewhere. I set him. I don't know. I did all these fucking things. And before I know it, I got the fucking Dark Moon Greatsword. <laughs> and I'm getting married. I'm getting hitched to a doll. Get hitched to a doll. I talking like, to talking to a miniature of my girl. That, that's the weirdest yeah. part, dude. Like, oh, I've got a little miniature of my girl that I just sit at a bonfire and, like, you know, talk to. <laughs> yeah. Just have a little convo with her. Um, yeah. I would, but all the whole time, I was just trying to find Wolf Boy. Um, and then it wasn't until after I beat the game that I, I was like, how do I want to. I want his armor. What do I get his armor? And it was like, oh, if you go back to the tower here, he'll he'll be there. He'll, you can fight him, um, which I which I did. But yeah, all in pursuit of chilling with Wolf Boy. And in the end, I never I never <laughs> got to summon him again after the Radon fight. That's all he wanted was to go back to back with my man. But yeah, he um the the giant dude like locks him up in an ever jail at one point. You have to go free him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and now I freed him. And then like I had the. Uh, I haven't been back to Ronnie's though to fight him. Like I think that's the thing that you have to do. But uh, I think I got his armor already, which feels weird. I don't. I don't know what what happened. Interesting. There, so. Interesting. Game's wild. Game is wild, Chris. So now that now that you've beaten it, I mean, you're gonna do some different endings and stuff. But mm-hmm. the weirdest thing is how lonely the game feels once you beat it. I I went around and I've tried to clear out as many bosses that I missed and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I'll go wandering up to some new area and be like, oh, I missed this the first time around. Let me find a, a new treasure chest or a new boss. And then the boss dies in a single hit. And it's like, oh, OK. And I go back to the round table hold and there's nobody left because it's, you know, it's endgame. Everything's already moved on. Uh, so there's no NPCs, no bosses to fight. And I'm just wandering around this desolate, empty world with ash raining from the sky constantly. Uh, and I'm just like, man, oh, OK, why, why is this making me feel so weird? It's just a video game. It's very sad. <laughs> I don't normally get that. Like people, you know, the, the quiet dignity. Whenever somebody talks about Shadow of the Colossus, they have to use the word melancholy. You know that they mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm. Um, and they have to twist their nipples a little bit when they say it because that's how it makes them feel. Um, but that's how this world started to make me feel. I was like, damn, I'm about to write a thousand words for some video game website about how sad this makes me feel and how profound that is and how my mother doesn't love me. <laughs> You could just go to Journey too. You could go to New Game Plus, and everything starts over again. You have a great time. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. there. I, I was just, I was just hanging out so that I could help with um, bosses, which I very rarely did. No, no, <laughs> I you could not help you, you with that final boss. Do you, uh, do you, you did very well. I got carried in the final boss, by the way. I found a, a, some random person. It was really hard to summon anybody, but some random person mm. like, ju- I brought him in, and then, um, you know, he he kind of like picks a person to go aggro on at, at the first. Um, mm-hmm. And he picked the, the summon, so I ran to the side, and then like was had to juggle something. Like I, I had to like change my items or something. And then I looked down, and the person had done like four thousand points of damage, like a huge <laughs> chunk of his health bar disappeared. And I was like, "What the fuck am I here for?" Yeah, and then in, yeah. fa- in phase two, at one point, because the, the boss teleports all around the fucking arena, and the boss teleported to the other side of the fucking arena. The summon is over there. I'm a zillion miles away, running as fast as I can, and I just see chunks of damage losing. And like the guy just <laughs> wins. Like I'm not even anywhere near the fight when the end boss is dead. Uh, <laughs> fucking carried. I think my mimic did all the work the final time I beat it. So I didn't have any issues with the first phase, which was cool. But um, then I got to the second phase. And how do you feel about that final boss, the Elden Presence or whatever the fuck it's called? Elden Beast. Elden Beast. <laughs> the Moonlight Presence or whatever. Yeah, I um. 
I didn't, I didn't, I, didn't, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't. It's stupid. It's fucking stupid, dude. You make me find a, a space penis dinosaur <laughs> after all this shit. I wanted to fight some cool fucking, I don't know, decrepit old man or whatever that you normally make me fight. Now I'm just fighting a, a, a plesiosaur from space. It's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. Now I get it. You know, when you see Radigan like dying on the ground, you can like see the space thing inside of him like the other and i and i think that the, the concept of it is cool but visually i was like man you're making me fight a fucking giant dinosaur final boss elder ring i'm fighting a dinosaur um and yeah the the, ter- the time that i beat it because it was just fighting the camera i think i texted you when i was fighting it oh the final boss has my least favorite FromSoft thing which is where the camera is your biggest enemy and oh that's how God. it felt for me yeah because i could never see what it was doing i was just like well what is happening i'm attacking you i think you're up to something but i can't <laughs> see it um there's definitely a couple of times where i'm like i'm just gonna roll because it feels like i haven't rolled in a while <laughs> yeah it feels like i need a good roll yep okay there's fire all okay right. all right uh, good. The, the time that I beat it, I had like sprinted towards it, hit it a couple times, and then it zips away, and it zips away right towards where my mimic is, and mm-hmm. then my mimic hits it a few times, uh, and then I run in, hit it twice, stagger it, and then after it was staggered once, I don't think it ever got back up again. Um, you just we just wailed on it, um, but that boss makes you do hopscotch, which oh, is dude I, the the first phase funny. of that fight, I just I could not get it down on like what uh, what time you're supposed to like. What like you know, those little landmine things or like land just lightning a little, bullshit? A little hop, just a little hop. Yeah, I, I, dude, that's just so frustrating. I was having the <laughs> hardest time with that. I really liked the boss before that when he does his stomps, um, because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I know how to fix this. You just you just do a little goofy jump. <laughs> you just do a little yeah. hop. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Jumping uh, is like OP in that game, just because you can hop over stuff. But then, especially once I started power stancing, just a little a little hop. And then two-handed attack or two-sword attack. That's all I did on any boss. I got to, what was his name? Is it Mal- Malekith? Malekith. Mal- mm-hmm. um, I got to him, and it felt like, oh, shit. This is going to be like a big deal boss fight. Yeah. And, and it was over in 25 seconds. That was it. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? This seems, this, isn't this guy like special? Isn't he like <laughs> part of like, what punched my leg. Um, but after everything I had to do for Melania, whatever her name is, um, just nothing in the game mattered. After that point. Yeah, yeah, you were whatever. It just doesn't matter. Like you just could easily walk through all of the bosses. <clears throat> um, and then they, uh, then they nerfed mimics. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a bummer, but it didn't. I don't think it was a huge impact though. No, like, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, really matter. They just behave a little differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, uh, they don't quite seem so aggressive and, and OP as they were. I brought my mimic into the snake fight, by the way, um, because like mm. I, I had that fight like set up from a long time ago and I was but I wanted to finish the the quest line before killing the boss of that area right because homegirl jets as soon as you kill the boss I don't know where she goes um uh but so I, I kind of totally forgot about it so I, I beat the game and then I saved scum to where right before I beat the game because <laughs> I got to go undo this so I can get all the rest of this endings um so I went to kill snake boy and I was like I've got so much money and I've got so many upgrade materials. Let's bring this like goofy weapon to the mm-hmm. max that it can go and just go mm-hmm. in there with my mimic and see what happens. And the mimic is so fucking stupid for that fight. No, no, yeah. no, no question. The mimic has no idea what to do, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because I was in there with a plus nine serpent killing spear against the God serpent. And I was just, all I did was stand in one place and hit uh, L2 and it just stunned it every single time. <laughs> Yep, just spam the shit out of it. I yep. summoned a dude named Dude for that fight. Oh, I've seen a dude. Um, I've seen the dude a couple of times. So I, I don't know if this was the same dude, but uh, other than you, he's the only person I ever summoned. Uh, and he left a strong impression on me because we went in there. 
he we just dude it up on this on this giant snake boy and then within seconds it was over i was like brother i i love you <laughs> dude, this is great this is fantastic dude, dude i love you <laughs> i'm a um, our friend pad uh is doing soul level one in this i'm blind. like I, yeah i watched like 45 minutes of his stuff recently uh-huh. by recently i mean last night uh and i just got sad man he's i know he's having fun yes i know he is he's but having... at the same time i wish that he could just run through the game like normal and enjoy it the way we all the rest of us are it's going to be uh a nightmare situation and he did you know he's done dark souls one two three and bloodborne and bloodborne specifically like he went through the hardest bosses in the game um at literally zero health so i don't like there's no situation where that dude like i don't think he'll give up right like i don't think that'll happen no i don't think he will uh i just i just the walls like it's gonna be days if not weeks for him on some of these late game bosses dude Mm -hmm. like i don't don't know how you do uh like this last guy or even melania right which is an optional boss but he said he was gonna go do all bosses uh and i i just don't like with the healing and everything and the anime slash attack, like there's just no yeah, fucking it's way. Ridiculous. I, it was murdering me and I had like, you know, super duper health. So I don't know how the fuck it's going to, he's going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, Cause this, this feels like the easiest from soft game, but only because you can just level or upgrade your way through anything. Yeah. The two times that I got super, super stuck, which was Melania. Um, and even that it was like, I fought her for like two hours one night and then an hour the next day. And then I upgraded all my stuff and went back and it was over. Um, but like in, in the past, I've gotten stuck for like orange seed and smell the first time I in dark souls. Like I must've spent a week on that fight. The last boss of Sekiro, I had to like go into inpatient care because I was out of control. <laughs> you, that's a little you were, you were in a bad way when Sekiro. <laughs> I was, seriously, like, I had like a mental, like a real life mental breakdown because of that. I was like, I got to reevaluate the way I consider video games. I, I remember um, texting you so and look, going like, Chris, just don't play the game anymore, man. This is not good. <laughs> I can't, but I'm, like I realized I was like, okay, this is legitimate mental illness. I need to take a step back and reevaluate myself. Um, and so for the hardest boss in this to be the crucible night <laughs> for me, because I, one, didn't know you could parry him, and two, I hadn't upgraded my weapon at all. So I finally learned how to parry this motherfucker, and then I upgraded my weapon just a little bit, and that was it. Like, five hits and this guy is dead. And I was like, oh my god, this game is that simple? What the fuck? But it doesn't feel like... I mean, and again, I don't, I don't know. It's been a while since I've played any of these games fresh for the first time, right? So, But it felt like in every other... Souls game or Bloodborne or Sekiro, like there was a there were a, a big it, parts where I just would get stuck and just like because my skill wasn't there yet mm-hmm. and I needed to to level up my me as a player I needed to get better at the game, um, but in Elden Ring I just jumped and, and did uh, jump attacks and that was it and I just got stronger and then just did stronger jump attacks that's all I did the whole fucking game and I walked through it what the hell it's great dude the jumping the jumping attacks are great the power stance stuff was super fucking killer mm-hmm. for me man when you gave me the the extra dark moon sword um, like I would just like the whole area. And that, that crumbling Faram, whatever, uh, that the whole mm-hmm, last, like, mm-hmm. city or whatever, um, all of those dudes were, like, super strong, but, like, a jumping attack uh, would do probably three-quarter to seven-eighths of their health bar, and then I yeah. would just, like, the next L1 would stun them and for another L1, and then it was, it, they were dead. Like, it was never more than three yep. hits. Like, it was ridiculous. Yep. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Just upgrade your shit, level mm-hmm. up a little bit, and then that's it. That's it. And everything that's all you got to do. Obviously, obviously, the challenge is still there. Anything can kill you at any point. 
um, if you screw up. Um, that's still a factor. But overall, and maybe, again, maybe it's because we've played like six of these games already, so they feel a little bit easier. Um, but this was the least frustrating. And occasionally, obviously, you know me, I'd get, I would definitely get frustrated at times, especially fucking Crucible Nights. Yeah, fucking Crucible um, Nights, dude. They were so it's miserable. It's so early in the game. They're so fucking miserable. And they're everywhere. Every time I saw one, I was just like, not this shit again. Yeah, I, I made it my mission <sighs> to uh, eradicate all Crucible every Nights. Every single in one? The world. <laughs> yeah. Um, enough was enough, bro. Enough was enough. But yeah, um, overall it was just, it was just a much smoother experience. And I think it has to be, it has to be a smoother experience because it's an open world game yeah. and you can't just have it be like, you nope, you can't go that way because you'll die. You can't go this way because like, there has to be a way forward. There has to be options at any point. Um, and the only barriers that I really hit were my own where I was just banging my head against a wall rather than stepping back, upgrading, leveling up, whatever I needed to do, go find something else. I, you know, my bad gamer brain will keep me I slamming have to, against I have the to same finish this before I can before I can move on. I have to finish the thing in front of me. Even though the game yeah. is, is designed yeah. so that I can literally do anything else. <laughs> I can come back to this boss at any right. time. But when and when I would finally like, you know, break the gamer brain and go do something else, then I would have a lot more success. Like Radon. I fought him like five times in a row. My first run felt pretty good and that's kind of the worst sometimes is when you think you got it figured out so you're just like oh I, i'm just gonna keep doing this because i got it figured out already um but then you really don't and there's a, a lot more going on than you think um but i fought him like five times and then uh took a break and then came back and fought him probably five more times but because i had done that break in between those next five felt like really fresh attempts mm -hmm. uh and i ended up beating it pretty quickly because of that um it, just being able to like take that second away refresh do something else and then come back to it and yet i never learned that lesson i will always bang <laughs> my head always <laughs> always every single time start banging the head first and then and then realize oh wait i don't need to do this yeah yeah i think it's definitely open i'll be really curious uh how pad does and I've, i haven't looked into any soul level one stuff that other people are doing yet because um i just i didn't want to see like ending stuff or anything but now i'll probably like this is the best time after fi finally finishing the game is to like, okay, now all of this content that has been created for Elden Ring, I can just go dive headfirst into and spend all day on YouTube mm -hmm, watching, mm -hmm. watching crazy shit. Uh, yeah. I finally started watching lore videos. I never watched that stuff. Uh -huh. um, and not, not cause I don't like it. I don't know. I just like, f I remember when, when you and I did uh, don't give up skeleton, you asked me like, Oh, so what do you like the lore? And I was like, dude, like, I don't even like know about it. <laughs> like I'm so ignorant to this. Stuff. And you know I love this shit, but for whatever reason, I absorb no information when I go through these games, and I don't know why. I think it's because I don't have to. Um, and and my brain just likes to be able to like keep playing, which is what forces me to drive myself into a wall when I don't need to. But um, so yeah, I finally started looking up some stuff, and it's mostly just theories now, which is fun and cool. Um, I started watching some Sekiro videos. I heard. The English voice acting for the first time for Sekiro. Uh huh. Um, That's not and good. And it's like, it's really, um, not good. really, or, um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's fine. It's fine. But it's all these like anime voice actors that I'm super familiar with. And being oh, like, oh, weird. That okay. dude plays Genichiro? Really? <laughs> that must be really weird because I, I didn't obviously don't have a, a, a big anime knowledge bank but uh like what listening to the english voices in sekiro was just like listening to it in breath of the wild where it was just it was so 
it was so overwrought that I just I couldn't mm-hmm. handle. Like I needed it in a different direct in a different language, just so I could like because mm-hmm. it just sounded better in, in in the native language as opposed to. Yeah. It sounds cool as fuck in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As opposed to you know Zelda being like Link, you are my hero, and I'm like, like I gotta, yeah. I gotta, get, get, we gotta change this immediately. Like, let me put this in Italian or mm-hmm. some shit. Like, so <laughs> let me get some extra vowels up in here, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, yeah, play all of Zelda in Italian. <laughs> I will. Uh, I I'll actually recommend There's that. No subtitles. I've, uh, my big thing with games lately is when people when they have text on the screen, like like a dialogue box, and then like a person is a voice actor is reading it. It really bothers me because I can just read it so much mm. faster. But mm-hmm. um, either turning off the VA altogether is good, but also just changing it to a different language makes it really entertaining. <laughs> like, yeah. just, just take it out of English, and it's a lot more fun to listen to. Like, it doesn't bother me near as much. That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Um, you're going to be getting used to some some anime voice actors when you finally watch. The Berserk. Berserk. Yeah, I might actually try to, depending on how ending stuff goes um, in Elden Ring tonight, I've got to go kill a dragon um, that's supposed to be really, really hard. Uh, but depending on how that stuff goes, I will uh, maybe try to dip into some of that tonight. Because the, the, the movies are on Netflix, the Golden Age movies mm-hmm. are on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. So see. I think the Golden Age movies are probably the best introduction, if not the most faithful. Mm-hmm. Um it's what I years ago I you know I had read the manga and uh, Jess got me like the Blu-ray set for the Golden Age movies. I had never seen them. I didn't really know much about it, um, but she knew I was really into the manga. She found the movie, whatever, got it for me. Um, and her knowing nothing about it, she watched it with me. And after the end of the first movie, she was obsessed. She, it, it actually turns out she's still obsessed because it's all she wanted to do all weekend randomly. Because I'm talking about how. Uh, you started reading Berserk, and I, I had all these videos that I wanted to send you, but I'm like, oh, I'm waiting until he gets past a certain point. Yeah, I don't want he has to read volume 28. Memes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then so she was reviewing them. She told me only one of them was funny, and I was like, wow, unbelievable. <laughs> wow, you got bullied by your GF, dude. What's up? But then we ended up, we ended up watching the 90s anime, which is very faithful to the manga, but it's also really, really low budget. Yeah. And there's a lot of still frames, and you, it's like one of the, the darkest, most graphic um series out there so it's not very marketable and anime is all about marketing about selling figures and merchandise uh, and putting it on tv and you can't really do that with berserk obviously there's merchandise and and all that but like it's just it's a little less marketable because it's so r-rated i guess right um so uh, it seems like it's never really gotten the the adaptation that it deserves because there's the 90s anime which covers the golden age arc um and it's it's solid but you know it's outdated but it's still it's good the music is fantastic there's there's a lot of really great things about it and if you can look past the fact that there's a lot of just still frames <laughs> with sound effects in the background then you then it can be really enjoyable uh the golden age arc is like kind of weird cg anime mm-hmm. um but overall i remember it like ho- you know holding up pretty well um it's stylish enough. It obviously doesn't hold, you know, it's not as good as the manga, but again, great music. Uh, and there's a lot of good elements to it. And then <laughs> that also covers the golden age arc. So you got two series that cover the same part of the story. And then in 2016 and 2017, they did, uh, another anime series, um, that covers the events after that arc. So it, it does do like, I think the next two arcs of the story. Um, it's going to be one of the ugliest anime ever created. They <laughs> use these weird, like, PS2 looking character models and sometimes guts is really? animated and he it's like it's 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 pretty rough and I watched every episode and I had a good time because I love Berserk and again the music was like always a, a big thing for me sure. um but but yeah it's just it hasn't really ever got a great adaptation <laughs> except for Dark Souls 
Like except for Dark, like Elden Ring is like one of the best Berserk adaptations of all time. I was thinking um, the I was thinking that um because I, I mean I played like almost a hundred hours and then like was forced to leave my home and my PlayStation behind, um and then read like eight volumes of Berserk. And since then, I've read another one. I started volume 10 last night. Um, it was like 11 o'clock, and I didn't want to text you. <laughs> just because I've been texting you like every time I buy another one. But I'm, I started volume 10 last night, by the way. I just Excellent. didn't want to text Excellent. you at midnight to tell you that. Uh, I was like, I'll Excellent. talk to you tomorrow. Um, but ever since then, so I've read all that, and then I come back, and every like cut scene in Elden Ring, and I think back to the ones in Dark Souls, where it's just like, you know, with the laughter, and then the people just kind of looming and like pulling swords out of stuff slowly, and like the weird, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like monstery kind of designs and things. Like it's not it like Dark Souls definitely plays pays homage to that stuff, and there's some stuff that's like ripped from the pages or whatever. But there's just really more of like a like this vibe that you get, and you're like, this is fucking Berserk, and like that's the thing yeah. that I like about Berserk. Some of the stuff I don't like about Berserk uh, is when it tries to be funny. Like there was a whole thing about Casca's uh, um, period that was like really weird. Um, it's like it, it's it gets so close to like almost almost saying something, yeah. but then it just is like, well, we don't really know how to put a cap on it, so it'll just we'll just put misogyny right on top. Of it. Yeah. that's how we're gonna figure. It. <laughs> like it's almost trying to feel like look at when she's struggling against this thing that you men will never understand, but then it's just like it, it can't quite get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then. The end of volume nine, I swear to God, Chris, it's like three chapters of Guts and Casca just fucking, just fucking yeah. and talking. Yeah. Like they are uh-huh. buck ass uh-huh. naked. And I told you on the way home from Chicago, I had finished book eight. Um, and then on my last leg of the plane, like I didn't have much of a layover. So I was like, I'm going to quickly download book nine. That's going to see me home. It'll be great. Uh, but the Wi-Fi messed up and I only downloaded like the first five or six pages. And I am so happy for that. Cause if I had been on the plane yep, yep. and just skimming past like pages and pages of just black and white drawings of two people fucking constantly. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, And mm-hmm. it's some really like, it's good converse. It's the dialogue and everything is really, really good. And I actually, like you, I, it's actually kind of admirable to see like two characters have sex with one another and then like have this lengthy conversation about themselves um, and just completely naked in a, in a very non-sexual way and then have it kind of turned back into a sexual situation because I think that's very like real life, right? Like you're sitting mm-hmm, there with somebody mm-hmm. and then like you do the thing and then you talk to him for a while and you're like, oh wait, I could do the thing again. Let's do that. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's, uh, it's good. really weird. It, it's, it's just made me feel like I was like, what am I reading here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so it's, glad it wasn't been, on a plane. It's been interesting like rereading it and rewatching it now that you're doing it and um, seeing things that, I, that I'd never noticed before or, or looking like I was really scrutinizing. I was like, what is, okay, Casca's hit a period. There's got to be something deeper here. I'm trying to nope. figure it. But at the end, nope. I was like, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know if there is. I mean, the best part <laughs> like, about it is that is like, it, cause it leans into the joke so hard on like the night that she, uh, the, on the dumbass dude that they were fighting, right? With the, the, you know, he has a thousand year old technique of running away or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah. 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 Um, all that stuff was, was relatively funny, but yeah, the, you were on your period kind of stuff is, is yeah. just weird. What a, what a like remarkable way to introduce you to a series to show you all of this crazy shit and then like jump back what feels like 30 years. Um, it's so, it's so wild. Cause the first two volumes 
of Berserk feel so weird after you've read the Golden Age arc. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Because this is this feels like an author trying to figure out his story, figure out his character. It even has weird like slapsticks like humor with like the fairy, uh, and it just feels like the the editor was like, "Dude, this is too dark. You got to throw something in there if you want this to run in the magazine. Like you you gotta you gotta do something with this." Because um, it like Puck feels like such an outlier, but he's the one observing the story, and then you got Guts just acting like a total like ridiculous like, sadist. He just like hates everybody. He's yeah. telling this little girl to kill herself. And, and it's, like, and it's actually, it's kind of funny sometimes the way, how much of a yeah. dickhead he, like I sent you some panels and I was like, this dude fucking hates everybody. This is yeah. dope. Yeah. Um, but man, I, it's, it's so weird to see all of that stuff. And then it feels very much like wheel of time did this as well. Like wheel of time, the introductory chapter, you're like, what in the fuck is going on? And then it's mm-hmm. years, it's thousands of pages later before you even have a glimmer of understanding of what happens in that thing. So I feel like, because the chapters came out so slowly over the last few years, um, it feels like the character that Guts is towards that end of the story, I'm so much more familiar with him now. So look, even even the art style in like volume one, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> who is this person? Um, but yeah, like, you know, so many years have passed in the story and stuff. Everything is so, so different. Um, but the Golden Age arc seems to be, that's what everybody knows and i mean yeah. obviously because it has two anime adaptations um but yeah you're 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 getting you're getting along in there um it's it's the most compelling thing in that i guess is the the, the relationships between guts griffith and casca yeah um, yeah the, all this know, stuff three is, is people super interesting at yeah. the core of the story i used to i had a very one dimensional view of everything the first time i read it so now coming back to it having seen different adaptations and taking a second look it is it is pretty interesting to see these characters interact with each other and the way they affect each other and and little things that i would never really noticed before yeah there's there's a lot Um, of like small stuff um i'll tell you though because i you know doing days of future cast uh and having to read x-men comic books kind of in the middle of all of this really broke my brain (laughs) like because the amazon (laughs) app is actually really good like it starts you on quote-unquote the last page or whatever and when you get to the the last page it actually has a thing because this was obviously scanned from like a paperback novel or something and it mm-hmm. says you know stop this is the last page this is how you read yeah, a manga yeah. kind of thing <laughs> and the Amazon app is really good like you're you're swiping right and like it's it's good. but like just the order of panels it's so ingrained in me to read uh, American comics yeah. that I it, and then like finally getting used to it over you know eight volumes and then going to back to X Men going back to Marvel stuff was like what <laughs> and then yeah, going immediately yeah, back yeah. to berserk later i was like okay my brain is fucking like broken i'm gonna not do <laughs> any of this you, and play Elden ring in, in sixth grade when i first found out about manga i picked up a uh shonen jump magazine because it came with the free Yu-Gi-Oh card and i liked Yu-Gi-Oh. that was it that yeah. was all it's all, all you needed and mm-hmm. i opened it up and i was like wait this is comic books what the fuck is this and it's backwards you know because it, it, it goes um right to left rather than the other way around so I got so hooked on it for like a month and I read as much as I could possibly get my hands on. And then I went for an eye appointment and I had to like, you know, you read the letters up on the wall and I started reading them backwards because <laughs> I had gotten so used to reading manga. That is hilarious. I was so young. It's, and, and the lady was like, are you? Okay. Are you are okay? He, he, I mean, your eyes are dyslexic? fine. But, like, what's but... <laughs> going on? And my, my dad's sitting there with me and he's like, Chris, what is wrong with you? Why are you, are you reading the wrong line? And then I'll go, oh, oh, oh wait. Oh, sorry, my bad. Whoops, my bad. And then if, I can't explain to this lady, sorry, I read Japanese comics. Um, <laughs> so they read the other way. Anyway, 30 minutes into the outtakes of a Merlin podcast. Should we talk about Merlin? Yeah, yeah, we should probably talk about Merlin at some point.
Keep your magic off my man Cause this clock won't mean so much to me, Merlin 